Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Spartan Spotlight Podcast. I'm Justin Finn. I'm here with my co-host Corey Robinson. And today we're also joined by former Spartan great running back Cedric Irvin. Cedric, thanks for joining us today. Man, thanks for having me, Jay. Proud to be home, baby. The fans are going to be really excited to hear about your insight um, this week and every other week, but especially this week now that we're playing against Michigan. Right off the bat, do you want to kind of touch on your experience of being a part of this rivalry? Well, the first thing, you know, I had to buy into to the rivalry because when I was coming out of high school, even growing up, all I knew was Miami and Florida State. You know, that that was drilling you from the time you was in elementary, from Little League football to to high school. So all I knew was Florida State versus Miami as a rival. And, and when I got to Michigan State, you know, I got a story. I'll never forget. I was in Myers, the week of Michigan and Michigan State. And uh, I guess someone spotted me, kind of figured, you know, I was a football player. And once I said my name, they kind of told me that uh, her and her husband are not talking that week because she's a Spartan and he's a Wolverine. So, you know, I laughed in their face, but when I pushed my buggy to my car, I'm like, you know what, damn, this, 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 this is for real. You know, I, I, when I first got there, I never forget. I know my many fans would know. I said it was, it was just another game, but you know, being there, it helped me when I got to Alabama because when I was coaching with Nick Saban in Alabama, Alabama versus Auburn, oh my god, you know. So I was kind of prepared for that just because of my one incident when I was in Myers to show me the true meaning of this rivalry. So when players are trying to learn about the rivalry, especially when they're out of state, does the coaching staff do anything special to kind of introduce you and get you acclimated? Not coaches, you know, players. You know, all, all the veteran guys, all the senior guys, we were there, you know, everybody kept saying it's Michigan week. It's Michigan week, meaning it was nothing else more important but but focus on Michigan. You know, I can still remember Ike Reese and, and Flozier Allen and all those guys saying, hey, it's Michigan week. You know, meaning, you know, bring bring a lunch to practice because we, we got to go extra because it's Michigan week. And those guys kept saying that every day, man, every day. It was to the point like Michigan week, you know, do you even go to class? <laughs> it's Michigan week. You just need to focus on Michigan. So it was, it was one of those situations for me, man. And it wasn't coaching. It was the players, the older guys that, that laid on the line and that showed me how much it meant. All right. So for you, though, so obviously the Michigan week was much different. So was it at Myers that you kind of picked up on it and you're like, all right, this is different? Or was it a couple plays into your first game where you kind of felt that uh, energy on the field and what was kind of the moment that really, really said, all right, this is now I see what these older guys like Flozell and Ike are saying. Well, I never forget, like, during the beginning of the week, I was like, you know, hey, just another game, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, you get ready for each opponent, you know, boom, boom. But then, like, on that Wednesday in Meyer, I'm like, damn, she, she's serious. Like, you know, they're not talking. They're walking far apart from each other. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and then when you get in the game, i never forget, I got a sucker punch on Michigan sideline and everything because the center, the center at the time was from Miami on that team. And, you know, he called me Miami Mouth, young guy, don't know what he's talking about. 
you know, you're disrespecting the rival and all this. But, uh, yeah, when you get in that game, man, you can, you can throw everything out the door because, you know, knowing knowing the rivalry for some of those guys who's from Michigan and in that area is is an extra incentive. But but for the fans and alumni, man, they they they're tired about that game. What are some of your favorite memories, or what's one moment that definitely sticks out to you from inside those games? Man, first of all, Justin, I'm zero three against them. <laughs> be if I say what I want to say. You know, you'll be you'll keep beeping me out, but uh, but my my most memorable is the game, man. Where I want to say Todd shows we had them, we was playing them tough. I think we was, I want to say three and one, and they was four and zero. Oh, and Coach Saban called a fake field goal, and I went to the sideline like I was arguing about something, and um and uh, we drew it up just like we drew it up in practice, and and we. we we, uh, we completed the play, man. I scored on a fake field goal. So leading into this game, too, where obviously uh, there's a lot of rebuild to be done for uh, Mel Tucker, uh, kind of fell off a little bit with recruiting uh, the last couple of years, especially at offensive tackle, defensive end, and seeing that really hurt us now. What, what do you think Michigan State has to do to make up for maybe the not having as much talent as they – would normally have had the last few years. Well, you know what I was thinking about that. You know, what those guys got to do is is make Michigan State sexy. And when I say make them sexy, you got to make me want to come to Michigan State. You know, on, on all aspects. And I and I and I can speak from that from a guy that you know came from Miami that had forty some offers. You know, but I'll never forget Coach William and Coach Baggett painted a picture for me where, you know, I, I won't be homesick. You know, and then you have to, from a player standpoint of playing, you know, you got to paint me a picture where I, you, you, I can come in and play and be successful. And I'm only speaking from a guy that played early as a freshman. And you're talking about a kid, a, a guy that I didn't even know. I didn't know, know of Michigan State. You know, it's not like I grew up in a place where I had cable and I'm watching a whole lot of football. You know, all I knew was my hometown teams. But I can look back on and say those guys did a great job of recruiting, painting a big picture that I have success at Michigan State and I won't be homesick at all. And, and they kept their word and, and everything worked out. But for those guys, and then you got to, you, you know, just watching the game last week, you know, we, we got to go get some playmakers. You know, me and Mateen Cleave, we always talk about that. We brought Michigan State back. You know, that 96 class on the both basketball and football team, you know, if you look at it from that on, we we made we made Michigan State sexy, baby. You know, you got to go get you some Plessico Burris, some Gary Scott, some Robert Smiths. You know, you got to go get you some of those guys, man, that the Tico Duckets of the world, you know, those guys that can come out there and make plays. You know, right now I don't. I don't. Just watching the game last week, it's like ah, it's gonna be alone. So we got to go get those guys, man, that, that that can go out and make plays and, and, and want to be a Spartan and do whatever it got to takes to to make make Spartan on top. Yeah, I think Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor and those guys, and even Jordan Simmons, those guys can definitely have some of that flash. Uh, they just need to find a way to hold on to the ball. Because they, they had some pretty productive games. Uh, definitely Simmons and Reed. 
but they they both fumbled and that didn't help their case. Switching gears a little bit and thinking about how Michigan likes to do things, they didn't use Joe Milton's arm to power them to victory last game. He was pretty efficient. He had over 200 yards, but most of their success came through running the football, and that included Milton, but it also included their stable of running backs. But even despite having uh, just over 250 yards, I think 60 and 70 of their yards came on two really long plays. So that kind of skews the numbers greater than what they were. And But overall, their identity is pretty balanced and I, I'd say even more run heavy. So how do you kind of play against a team that has that kind of an identity? You, you, got, you got to think over the years when, when we did beat Michigan. You know, we made it. A, we made it a heavyweight fight. You know, one of those games where you know you're not going to run the ball against us. We're going to punch you in your mouth, and that's what that's what they have to do this week. The defense has to make Michigan one dimensional. We got to say, you know what, you're not going to run the ball on us, and that's the case. We're going to put seven in the box and make the quarterback beat him with his arm. You know, so that that's that what it come down to on the defense side of the ball. You know, if you feel like their running game is is is, is their script, let's take it away. You know, let's let's take it away. Let's tell, let's say, hey, we're gonna put one more in the box in, in here, and we got a defensive line up front, and we and we gonna we gonna we gonna we gonna punch you in your mouth. You know, and, and the next thing on offense, we gotta find what's gonna work and stick with it. Yeah, you know, we gotta find that. We gotta develop a guy that's gonna make plays. We not just one. We don't have the talent where one guy can take us there. You know, when I was at Alabama the year, you know, we didn't have just Julio Jones. You know, we had Julio Jones. We had Mark Ingram. You know, we had several guys that can step up and make plays. So we got to develop, and they got to develop a guy, you know, that that a guy or two or three that can get us four yards of play. Yeah. Corey, what's your take on how exactly we should go about doing that based on what you saw in Michigan last week? So on offense, Michigan likes to load up the box too, kind of challenge you to take away uh, the run and beat them deep. And so the offensive line, first off, they got to be able to hold their block long enough so that Michigan State can take the shots downfield because that's where Michigan's defense is susceptible because they stick with the one-on-one matchups without a lot of safety help over the top. Uh, so guys like Jaden Reed, he's got to expand on what he did his first game and take it up that next level because it's Michigan week. Uh, Jalen Naylor's another kid that has some speed. Then uh, Ricky White, the true freshman out of Georgia, where he's got that playmaking ability. So I think this year's offense, there's a lot more speed than we've had the last few years, which was a huge problem prior. But now it's a matter of these guys getting that dog in them and the toughness, not, you know, turning the ball over. You can't make a play and then fumble it or have a drive and fumble it like you've got to eliminate that stuff and then two I think um Anthony Williams the running back he didn't play the first game due to injury I believe they don't they don't really talk about that and with COVID being around I don't know if that's a thing so if he's back and Jordan Simmons is back then that at least gives you two guys in the backfield that you can get out in space and let their speed take over where I mean the Simmons kid I think he got tracked at 22 miles per hour on one of his runs in high school so I mean he's got that get a get a crease and he's gone kind of play and he was probably the the biggest bright spot in the backfield for them 
in the Rutgers game. Uh, but you just got to find that guy that can uh, punch it in between the tackles too, which that seems to be a work in progress at this moment right now where uh, Eli Collins, I thought, really struggled in pass protection and he just looked a step slow for whatever reason running the ball. So, Yeah, that kind of brings me to my next question. So the way that Michigan is usually beaten is by following the Ohio State template that they've done in the last few years, and that is taking advantage of Don Brown deciding to put everyone on an island and then stacking the box and trying to bring, bring different kinds of exotic blitzes. Uh, what they do is they just run crossing routes, sometimes try to rub the, the crossers against each other, and usually you'll see like a Paris Campbell or um, one of these Terry McLaurin types, and these guys just, just rip up the middle of the field and just take it 40, 50 yards. But the question is, do we have the offensive line to hold up for that kind of a scheme or what kind of a blocking um, does that require in order to try to execute that? Well, Justin, from, from a, from a player standpoint, you got to understand we got a whole new staff. They have enough repetition to, to really know the offense, to know each other. You, you know what I'm saying? So now if you, if you're a veteran team and you're a veteran staff, of course, you're going to you're gonna blitz some guy. You know, it's, it's just like what Corey was saying about the blitz pickup and things like that. But, uh, you know, it's just a short amount of time, man. And you know, I want to know if these guys, you know, know the coaches. Do they believe in the coaches? Or if it's just something that, you know, you're just happy to be playing right now. But, yeah, you're going to get a whole lot of blitzes. You know, and you, you got to, especially if, you got, if they find out that, you know, certain people can't pick up the blitz. And... Like, like, and like Corey said, if it's if the whole line can hold up, if that's a question, you better get ready for blitzes on first, first and second down, not just on third and long. Yeah, definitely, and that's what I think that the biggest knock, uh, even last year, where Eli Collins had a lot of a good year, where he almost ran for a thousand. Uh, it was the blitz pickup that he really struggled, and he saw last weekend he struggled there again. So. Uh, that that's his big chance like if he wants to be a feature back he's got to be able to do that blitz pickup so I think this game you'll probably see a lot of Connor Hayward more than some people want to see but because he does have the ability to pick up the blitz and uh Michigan's going to be bringing it all the time yeah so uh I think you'll see him and then that's where you can hopefully get that time to get that crosser to Reed or Naylor or whoever's out there and let them make plays because I do think uh, the new wide receivers, Courtney Hawkins, uh, he's got those guys ready to go. They're getting open a lot quicker. Their routes are a lot tighter. So you're seeing a lot from that. Yeah, I think the receiving group um, definitely held their own. Uh, I think it's probably one of the better receiving groups we've had in a while. And besides, in general, we did score 28 points after having seven turnovers. I remember just a few years ago, two years ago against Rutgers, for example, where we were struggling to score any points. We would have given anything to score 28 points in that game against Rutgers without even having any turnovers. This time we did it despite having seven of them. So I think that's an indication of how far we've come offensively. And I think this Rutgers defense is light years ahead of the one two years ago that we played. 
um, especially with all these transfers. But the issue is going to be that even if you solve those seven turnovers, that won't be enough against a team like Michigan this week. You actually need to be able to block, and you need to be able to run the ball in addition to passing it. And that's where my worries kind of rest for this upcoming game. Yeah, definitely. And I do think, uh, like, I, I, I know of uh, one change that I can't talk about on the offensive line personnel-wise, but we won't have the same uh, starting five as we had last week. And it's a, a positive move. It's a, a person that uh, I've been saying should see the field a lot more over somebody else. So uh, just for that warning, there, there will be somebody new on the starting five, and I think that will be a positive for the future, uh, whether he can immediately make that impact right now we'll find out on Saturday but there there's a couple of things happening there that I think will help long term so Cedric what can you do as a football team from an X's and O perspective when your offensive line just can't protect the quarterback and you can't block you can't run what do you do to try to stay competitive for a game if you know that's the situation you're in and there's just nothing you can do about it on the fly mid-season with the personnel that you have well, you in that situation, I hope we can. We had a situation where we can play flat fast. A lot of times, you see these teams when they play fast, your offensive line for one don't have to block long. And when you play fast and and and, and you're in shape and hiking the ball, you know, within seven seconds or whatever it is, you don't have to have a strong offensive line. But since we're not doing that, we got to go to the short game. You know, you got to see what guys are cutting, what, what we got to do, slide protection, you know, where, where it's not individual, individual one-on-one blocking and slide protection and the, back, and the running backs going to the backside of the, of the, of the tackle. And, and that can help you when, when your line is not strong. And, and then another thing can help you is, is the running game. I mean, you got to be able to get three and a half or four yards to carry. You know, if you can do that, those type of things can, can help you in the cause uh, helping your offensive line. Yeah, I'm actually glad that you brought up the up-tempo thing because I think last game we used it at times, and in those cases it seemed to really catch Rutgers off balance um, selectively when used like that. It would be nice to see the team use it a little more, especially because of how effective it was. It seemed like we were able to get some quick slants and flat routes completed because of using it like that. But yeah, it's not really something the program has done uh, here in the last few years. And so it might not be something that Michigan would be expecting. So I think it would be good to see more up-tempo used uh, suddenly compared to how it's been used in years past, at least. Um, Yeah, so... Corey, what, what, other, what are some other things we need to do? We have turnovers um, that we kind of addressed. The offensive line is my biggest fear. Where else is this game possibly going to be decided? Uh, I mean, force and turnovers. Uh, Joe Milton, he's still uh, real early in his career. So if you can – and you saw Scotty Hazleton and, you know, Harlan Barnett, that he knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, they – adapt they don't run the same defense every weekend so what you saw them do in Rutgers might not be 
what you see Michigan, I mean, I can almost guarantee you it's not. It's a different game. They're going to come with a different game plan. So if you can confuse Milton and create your own turnovers, then that ends up uh, changing the momentum, as we saw last week, in the opposite way. So I think uh, the big thing is uh, try to confuse Joe Milton, make him have to think, uh, because I, I think even – in the Minnesota game, he, he proved he still doesn't like – he's not comfortable coming off of that first guy yet. So if you can make him pause and think that's not his strong suit as a quarterback yet. So I, I think that part of it. And then the big thing, too, is you got to contain him as a runner just because he kind of changes the game uh, with his feet that he can at least. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for those that don't know, I kind of dove into Joe Mitlin's past tendencies on SpartanMag.com. If you're not a subscriber, definitely go check it out. But that, what I saw when I looked at every single dropback that he had was that he rarely comes off his first read. And right when he gets the ball, he evaluates how the route might look for his first read, whether he's getting jammed, whether he might have a step on him. And what if that's looking good, that's fine. He'll throw it to him, whether it's right away or whether it's another second or two later. But if the first read is jammed, you'll rarely see him scan the field and look at a second or third read. If the first read is killed off right at the line of scrimmage, then what he does is he dips his eyes and looks around the tackle box and tries to explore an opportunity to escape the pocket and make a play with his feet. And he's pretty agile, so that's something, that's a way he can definitely hurt teams. But he's not using his greatest strength, and that's using his arm strength to go ahead and beat teams deep. You would think that someone that has such a strong arm would be feasting on teams down the field. And despite him having one of the stronger arms I've seen in a while, probably the strongest arm since Christian Hackenberg, he only has four deep attempts after having, I want to say, somewhere around 15 to 20 total attempts. And even of those, one of them was an interception, and then one of them was a touchdown. And then, so that made him two for four, the touchdown and an interception. So that's not something that he's really hurting teams with because he's not patient enough in the pocket to let the long routes develop. And kind of as a result, I don't think he is going to threaten teams as much just yet until he learns to be more patient in the pocket. And with Scotty Hazleton having the tendency to disguise the coverage that they play with post-snap versus what they show pre-snap, I think that might also give him some fits. So that was one of the areas I was looking at that I thought might have given us a chance to win this game. Uh, before when I was previewing Joe Milton earlier in the offseason. Obviously, that was before uh, I saw how bad the offensive line was going to play. But nonetheless, I thought that was an area that could really be exploited uh, against this opponent. But I guess just in general, uh, Cedric, what do you do if you're playing against a new quarterback that he might not be comfortable in the pocket? What do you do to kind of throw him off their game? Well, for one, like you said, I'm, I'm going to disguise to the coverage. You know, lack of experience, he's not ready for, the, you know, the, the different movement in the back end. And, you know, he wants things to to uh, to slow down and everybody be still on the hike of the ball. Um, I'm also going, like you said, I'm going to dial up some blisters uh, coming from all different angles. You know, I want him to have a happy feet in the pocket. 
I want him to, and I also go. I want to hit him. You know, I learned what I learned over the coaching for, for, for a while now is, you know, I, I take a couple of hits on the quarterback. You know, and let's see how tough he is. Let's see can he take. Let's see can he take a punch. You know, so those are the type of things that I that I tell my team. You know, let's 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 get some hits on them. Uh, let's play fast. You know, let's disguise our coverages. I right, and let's let's throw the kitchen sink at him. Let's let's see can he. Uh, do he know his hot reads? Do can can he, can he make a perfect throw? All right, so Cedric, what I'm going to do is uh, let's let's throw COVID out the out the window. You're in Spartan Stadium because uh, Mel Tucker's like I want all the old Spartans and especially the Spartan Dog type of guys back around this program and around these players. So let's throw COVID out the window. You're uh, you have a chance. You're in the locker room with the players before the game on Saturday. What what's your message to them, or what are you saying to them in the locker room to get them focused and fired up? The main thing I would tell them is. You know, and I, and I come in there, and I come in hype, and I'm coming in jumping around. But after I calm down, I look everybody in the eyes. You know, I, my main thing that I would ask each player, you know, who you doing it for? Who you doing it for? Because like what I tell my son, only the days that you're not good enough, or days that you don't want to do it for yourself. Who, who, what's that purpose of why you wake up or why you, why you do the things you do, the, the, the weightlifting, the, the extra, the extra films, the, the extra drills on the field, like what's your purpose of doing? And then I will ask them, you know what, if somebody's watching you today, what are they going to say about your effort, your play, your attitude, the way you carry yourself and how you finish plays today? Somebody should leave out of that, that stadium saying, you know what? Number 14 is, is a hell of a football player. He gave a lot of energy today. He had a, he had a, he had a winning attitude. Because the two things you can control is your effort and your attitude. So how about we have a better effort than those guys and, and we go out there and play the best football. If it's not for you, do it for your last name on your jersey. When you can do those things, you give me everything you got and we fall short, you know what? We gave it. But one thing about it, we got to oppose our will on, on them. And as far as dogs around, around the country, you know, ex-players are looking for you to win this game. You know, I told I'm I'm, 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 I'm good friends with Desmond Howard, but not this week. You know, not this week. I'm not on Wellness Wednesday on his Instagram. You know, his son go to my school. I'm not talking to his son. He got a great kid. Not this week. And depending on how the game go, I may need a couple of weeks to, to even speak to you. Because it's, it's personal, it's passion, and, and it's one of those where you got to lay it on the line and give it everything you got. You know what I'm saying? So, my speakers be to them, man. You know what? Do it for your last name. If somebody's watching you in that stadium, what are they going to say about you? And hopefully, you know what I mean, it'll be some playmakers in this room that they'll get this thing jump-started and going. Going forward, though, have, have you had a chance to kind of talk with Mel Tucker much or kind of form an early opinion on him yet? Or are you still kind of waiting to hear that call in the – get to meet him where obviously things open up a lot better once 
you guys can get back up on campus and be around the guys because I do know that was important to him. Well, you know, if it was important to him, I, 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 I he has my number. You know, I've been knowing Mel, you know, since we played. But I mean, since I played, but you know, I had contact with him at the University of Georgia in Alabama. But you know, not, not one person on that team has reached out to me for anything about you know Florida recruiting or you know guys that I can help with or anything like that. But but to want guys back around the program, that's big. You know, especially if you can get those guys back that's that's with this new generation that's in the NFL now, you know, if there's a way you can get the Bills back and and all those guys back around, that'll be good for these guys, for these kids. They kind of thrive off that because that's what they look up to and those the pictures and the things that they see around the, the, the locker room. But uh, to want the guys back, you know, that's a big thing. And like I say, you know, I don't care about other fans around the country, but, you know, one thing I can't say that the Michigan State Spartan fans, nothing but love for me. Yeah, definitely. And I'll follow up on that because you had mentioned, like, some of the current NFL guys. But uh, he actually made it a point that he wanted to go beyond because the previous coach, I kind of felt like a lot of the guys that came back and maybe got the love that you're talking about were D'Antonio guys where Tucker said, I want everybody, not, not just the guys that were here at a certain time thing. So, uh, uh, he specifically was reaching back, you know, beyond that 13 years that he's hoping to eventually make it happen and says, uh, field access for you guys, all that stuff, whether, you know, it happens or not, but <laughs> does that, I think, like, to me, that stood out that he made it a point that he's like, I got to reach out beyond the, the guys that were just recently here and go back further. The, the quote was, it, he tweeted it out before COVID. He actually said, calling any and all Spartan dogs, um, you can come over here and I will, I will hand you the whistle and you can come right next to me, coach. But I think that was like three, four days before COVID. So he never got to actually do anything with that. But I think that was kind of exactly what he had said. But you know what? The, the one the one coach I can say that I know of, and I don't know all the coaches on campus for all different sports, but, you know, every year I go back from homecoming or whatever it is, and it's during the time that basketball starts up. And the time that I go, you know, down there to watch those guys practice, man, you would think I played on that basketball team. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I'm, 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 I'm walking around the court. You know, I'm dribbling the basketball you know, um, uh, once again, the equipment guy over there is great. You know, no, if I leave with a bag, you know, one thing is, oh, dude, man, you got to open door policy. Not just that, you know, I've been to the Izzo house, you know, coming back, and I've never been to D'Antonio house. You yeah, know what I mean? That, never that's been one to thing. D'Antonio house. You know, never been to D'Antonio house, even if it was a recruiting weekend and we there. Like, those guys never utilize that type of stuff. But now if you go to basketball, you can see Mateen Cleese, you know, talking to the high school guys or whatever it may be. So that and, and, and why not let me or former guys have a chance to talk to the recruits that's there to paint a picture for those guys to watch you why you should come to Michigan State. But Coach Izzo, man, he got an open door policy, man. And, and like I, I go in there, I, I put I can put my feet on the on the table. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But you know, and like I said, I've been in his house more than I've never been to Coach D'Antonio's house. 
Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's something I expect maybe out of Tucker once once we hit the 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 word, the trigger word normal. Once normal comes back, I do think you'll see a little bit more of that. Uh and just kind of going about his past and following around what he would do at other places. But uh so hopefully we can get past this, get you in his house, uh, and get the, the swag out a little bit more. But yeah, I think to me that's there's nobody that can sell it better than your former players because you know they're gonna be real with you and they can you can show them the success that you had at Michigan State and that they could have that too. Corey, I don't wanna just go to Tucker House. I wanna work for him. <laughs> I'm knocking on the door, Corey. I'm knocking on the door. <laughs> Let me in, baby. You know what I'm saying? Let me in. <laughs> have to have to get get on them about that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm knocking on the door. Great to see some alumni that have this much energy and passion for the new era of Michigan State football for sure. So um, is there anything else we want to hit on for this next uh, week's game against Michigan? Anything else that you guys are looking out for? Uh, for me, it's just go out there and kick their ass. I mean, like at every position battle, whoever is lined up across from you, make it your goal every single play to put him on his back. Be like, you do that uh, 75% of the time you're probably going to walk away stunning some people. But, I mean, that's where it starts is you just got to be tougher than them and then see what the final score is when after you do that. And I think for, 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 for Coach Tucker is, you know, this, this is a big game for him. Why? Because it's a rivalry game. And a lot of times, you know, the fan base judge you on, how many times you beat a Michigan or you beat Ohio State? You know, you can come out this game and, and play a tough game or structured game and execute the little things and they can make plays and, and it look like it can be a bright future. You know, because this year is, is one of those years like, okay, hey, let's see what we do, boom, 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 boom. But I want to see a team that can bounce back and go out here and play this team for four quarters and not just play them, but compete and compete to win. But I want to see the energy from the coaches, too, that 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 this game means something because it does. You know, if you can start off first, I mean, let's think about it. When D'Antonio won those six, seven games in a row against Michigan, I mean, shit, he was walking on water. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? He yeah. was walking on water, not just that, but the fan base around the country. I'm sticking my chest out, and I'm way down here in Miami. But this is one of those games where it, 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 it can see, like, what type of team, even though he's not male talking players yet, but what type of team and how will he motivate his players to go out to play on a rivalry game and can we play this game for 60 minutes and fight to the end and come up with a big – if he can do that, people will say the hell with what happened last week. You know, we got a team that, that, that will get better as time goes. You know what I mean? Because this is that rivalry game. This is the game that, you know, you, you get the four or five million, whatever you got. This is why we brought you here because we thought, you know, you could be that guy. Yeah. I think, I think especially with D'Antonio, what he knew, um, what he did a very good job of right from the beginning was he kind of spoke for the fan base. 
uh, right right after that loss in the very first year, and then the whole Mike Hart little brother comment, he kind of said what what everybody else would have said, all the regular fans would have said, and he kind of spoke up and kind of put that stop that dead in his tracks. So I think even if even if Michigan State doesn't win this week. If Mel Tucker can kind of show that bravado that that the fan base needs, the the kind of approach and the energy and intensity you need, even in a loss, I think that would set the tone for years to come. Because because Coach D didn't win that first year, but that definitely set the tone uh, right from that post game press conference up until the next thirteen or so years. Um, that kind of set the tone for how the rest of the rivalry would go. So thanks for joining us on this episode of the Spartan Spotlight Podcast. Uh, Join us right after the game as we recap what we saw and what we liked or disliked from the Michigan game. Thanks for joining us, and go green. Go white.